0: All right, we are here at Bible study. Thank the Lord for those who braved the cold to get here tonight and those who are watching online, on Facebook. Let me share this right quick on my page. Alright, so I'm going to share this. I always share it on my Facebook page to make sure any, any of my Facebook friends uh, are able to see it, those who scroll, scroll across it and maybe want to look at it. So tonight we're going to be in Judges, the ninth chapter. This is a long chapter. Um, the main character in this chapter is uh, Abimelech, and we're going to... Uh, see who uh, he is for one he's the son of uh, Gideon and Gideon's name in this chapter is uh, Jerubel and that was the name that was given to him in in the 8th chapter so it's the same, same person but Abimelech is the son of Gideon You know, we just read about Gideon in the last two chapters, how he helped lead Israel. God used him to help defeat um, the Midianites. And so now he is dead. And his son Abimelech uh, assumes power and does some very uh, wicked things for which he is going to be judged. So let's pray as we get ready to go into this text. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this Bible study tonight. We thank you for blessing us to uh, be here, to study your work together, to learn more about you, your character, your nature, uh, your person, who you are, Lord, and what you have done. Father, I pray that you send the Spirit to help me to teach this text well and teach to your glory. Lord, I pray that you send the Spirit to illuminate the truths that we will hear uh, tonight. Lord, enrich us, encourage us, refresh us by your word. In Christ's name, amen. So again, this chapter deals with the uh, details of the attempt of Abimelech who was one of Gideon's sons to take his father's place of authority. Now, Abimelech is Gideon's son by a concubine uh, from Shechem. And this suggests that he had a lower status uh, in Gideon's clan than his other sons did. So, you know, the fact that he was born from a concubine, this is in uh, Judges 8, verses 30 through 31 where it says, Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son whose name was Abimelech. So you can see in that, those two verses that Abimelech was almost born out of order, so to speak. So Gideon was almost like a black sheep uh, type. So what he does in this chapter is he seeks to take his father's place of authority and the results are going to be uh, disastrous. So, let's look at the conspiracy first in verses 1 through 6. This is the word of the Lord. So it says, Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubel, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers, so his uncles, and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubbaal reign over you, or that one reign over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and bone." And his mother's brother spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So they gave him seventy shekels of silver from the temple of baal with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubel, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubel, was left because he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth-Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree, At the pillar that was in Shechem. So. (laughs) This chapter starts off on the wrong note. We have to remember going back. That Israel. Did not remember the Lord their God. Back in verse 34 of. Chapter 8. Remember that. That they did not remember the Lord their God. Who had delivered them from the hands. Of the enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Gideon according to all the good that he had done for Israel. So now we see what happens as a result of that. First out to shoot is Abimelech, his own son. He concocts a conspiracy. So he was not the clear successor to his father's place of leadership. And the one reason why is because God did not establish a monarchy, an hereditary monarchy where, you know, someone would take over who was born from someone who was ruling before. So God did not set up a monarchy in Israel where someone would take over for their father's throne, so to speak. So God didn't do that. And the reason why this was the case was because there were 69 other sons besides Abimelech. Remember, Gideon had 70 sons. So it wasn't just Abimelech. Some of the other sons probably wanted to succeed their father. So this is why God did not set this up. For a hereditary monarch. Because there wasn't one. And then also there were 69 other sons uh, of Gideon. Who might also want to succeed their father. So Gideon spoke with the family of the house of his mother's father. And ask him this question. Hey, would you rather 70 people rule over you or one? Of course, most people will say one. He says, remember, I am your own flesh and bone. And then his mother's brothers, his uncles. So basically, Abimelech forced his uncles to submit to him. He says, his mother's brother spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem and their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech for they said he is our brother so Abimelech convinced his uncles on his mother's side to support him as king over the brothers on his father's side this was almost like manipulation so the men of Shechem agreed to accept Abimelech as their new leader and perhaps even a king Their hearts were inclined to follow Abimelech. So this man was very cunning. And what this shows is that sometimes leaders can be very corrupt and very evil to get people to follow them. Or to get people to put them up as leaders. We see this throughout Scripture. Scripture. Their leaders can be very corrupt in getting people to follow them. Uh, It happened in David's house with his son Absalom. Absalom had rebelled against uh, his own father, David, and set up his own little kingdom while David was still alive. He rebelled against his own father. So the heart, the sinful heart of man wants to lead and wants people to follow them and bow down and worship them. That is the sinful heart of man. And Abimelech personified this to the fullest. He went to the uncles on his mother's side to accept him as king over his brothers on his father's side. So <laughs> this is this is crazy how he set this up. So now that they said, okay abimelech you over us what happens he seeks to kill his brothers verse four and five again says so they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple at barbara so the relatives of abimelech on his mother's side gave him basically startup money gave him seed money so to speak you know gave him gave him uh, enough it's like investing in a a person's business you know they they uh They need some investors to kind of help them get started with their business. So these people who gave him this 70 shekels of silver gave him startup money so that he could basically establish his leadership. But guess what? He did use this to establish his leadership. But it was in the most sinister of ways. It was in a way that they never imagined. What did he do with that money? Instead of establishing, he established his kingdom, all right? But look at how he did. It says he did what? He hired worthless and reckless men, basically thugs. He hired thugs to kill his own brothers. He made sure that there would be no one to challenge his leadership. This is what a dictator does. In all of human history, dictators kill everyone who they perceive to be a threat to their leadership that's what a dictator does so Abimelech wasn't a kind ruler no he was a dictator he wanted to subdue all his enemies so he could rule unchallenged without challenge nobody in his way and evil dictators will sacrifice even their own family members even though I'm family members that challenged them that questioned them their closest allies and their closest friends that's how all of them rose to the power that's what Joseph Stalin did in Russia that's what Adolf Hitler did in Germany that's what Benito Mussolini did in uh, Italy that's what Pol Pot did in Cambodia all these infamous dictators in world history um even, even now, uh, what's his name in Russia? Um, the, uh, uh, the ruler of Russia, Putin, Vladimir Putin. Same thing. They're called autocrats. They are in total self-control of their nations or their kingdom, so to speak, and they kill everyone around them who dares oppose them. This is not the heart of Christ. Christ defeats his enemies. But the thing, the difference between Abimelech and Christ, Abimelech is an evil ruler. He's a cruel ruler. He killed his own brothers. But what did Christ do? Christ accepted us as his brothers. Christ is our elder brother. Christ accepted us into his kingdom to be co-heirs with him. Christ is not a selfish ruler. He's not a selfish king. He's not a selfish lord. Christ shares all that he has with his children. That's what makes Christ different from Abimelech. Abimelech is an evil ruler. Christ is a gracious and, and loving king, a compassionate king, a king who welcomes people into his kingdom. Those who uh, bow their knee to him. Abimelech, on the other hand, is the example of the Antichrist. That means the other type, the against Christ. They, they want total rule. They want to kill all their enemies. So Abimelech killed 70 of his brothers with the support of his relatives on his mother's side. He killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubel. And the men of Shechem supported this because they said it was good for them. And so what happens? The men of Shechem make Abimelech their king. So it says here, all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. It's hard to tell which one was worse. Abimelech who did the murdering or the men of Shechem who approved of it. Yep one just bad as the six six and a half a dozen. This was an ungodly leader given to an ungodly people. That's what we see here. They first rejected God's leadership over the nation and then embraced a cruel and brutal man. And That's what they did. They rejected God's leadership They rejected it. Again, back at verse 34, chapter 8. They did not remember the Lord. This is what happens when you forget God. When you forget God, you want anybody to rule over you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, ungodly leader given to ungodly people. This is almost a type of judgment. Sometimes you get the leaders you deserve. Sometimes God gives us the leaders that we deserve. When we rebel against Him, when we reject Him being over us, guess what? He's going to give us leaders but it's not the ones that we deserve. Just like we read about this uh, in 1 Samuel about concerning Solomon. Solomon was not supposed to be the king of Israel, but the people, not Solomon, but Saul. Israel wanted Saul to be leader, and God told the prophet Samuel, they're not rejecting you. Don't be dismayed, Samuel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But uh, God told him to tell them that he was going to anoint This Saul is king, but tell them what's going to happen. And whatever was going to happen wasn't going to be good. That's what he was telling them. So, in essence, God gave Israel the leader that they deserved. And so now, Jotham, the brother who escaped, issues a warning in the form of a parable. This is verses 7 through 15 it says now when they told Jotham he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out and he said to them this is the parable of the trees listen to me you men of Shechem that God may listen to you the trees once went forth to anoint a king over them And they said to the olive tree, "Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, shall I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go to sway over trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, shall I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go sway over trees? Then the tree said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, shall I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go to sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. Excuse me, but if not, let fire come out of the bramble. And devour the cedars of Lebanon. So this parable here, remember Jotha was the only son to get in that escaped the massacre uh, by the stone. Uh, you see that back in verse 5. So what he was doing was telling a parable to rebuke the men of Shechem for their choice of Abimelech as king. So this parable was a rebuke. and he made it from the Mount of Gerizim and this was the mountain which Israel heard the blessings that God pronounced upon the obedient about 150 years before that's found in Deuteronomy 18 I saw Deuteronomy 11 and 29 now shall be when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal Deuteronomy 27 and 12 These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishakar, Joseph and Benjamin so in other words Mount Gerizim was where Israel heard the blessings but now Jotham is warning them from this mountain so in this parable to explain it here the worthy trees were the olive, the fig, and the vine. They didn't want to be king. Because look at what each of them said. Shall I, uh, What did the olive tree say in, in verse 9? Um, shall I cease giving my oil? The fig tree, shall I cease my sweetness? The vine, should I cease my new wine? So these were the worthy trees. They did not want to be king. But the bramble which was the unworthy tree, agreed to be king. A bramble was basically like a thorny bush. Yes. A bush with thorns in it. So it wasn't, it wasn't lovely. It was all prickly and, and sticky in, in a bad way. Brings pain. Think about what a a, 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 a is, as we used to call them. You know, like a briar bush. It hurts. It's, it's painful. It stings you. It, it, it doesn't bring forth anything good. It just it just hurts you. So that was the bramble tree. So the bramble agreed to be king. So what was the promise of the bramble? Take shelter in my shade. And that was that was intended to be ironic because the bramble was a low thorny bush, and it offered shade to no one, especially to the trees. Because brambles were bushes. Bushes don't provide shade. So that's the irony of it. There it wasn't going to provide relief like the other trees would. Yep. It's going to be a painful rule. So this was talking about Abimelech. Abimelech was the unworthy to be king. That's what Jotham was saying. So it said, let fire. This is what the bramble said. In truth, if you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So the bramble had warned that he would be an oppressive ruler and destroy anyone who disagreed with him. That's why he said, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter. But if not, so if you disagree. One test of the character of a man is to see how he treats those who disagree with him. That's the test of the character of a man or a woman or a leader. One test of the character of a man or of a person is to see how he treats those who disagree with him. How do you treat people who disagree with you? If his only desire is to destroy those who disagree with him, then they're like the bramble. And that's the way Abimelech was. Now, one commentator said the, the condensed moral of the whole parable is this. Weak, worthless, and wicked men will ever be foremost to thrust themselves into power and in the end to bring ruin upon themselves and all the unhappy people over whom they preside. the people who want power the most are those who are weak worthless and wicked it's like that in false churches false preachers they want all the power they want everyone to bow down to them they want everyone to address them correctly They want no one to cross them or disagree with them. If they do, they're going to preach about you in a sermon. may even call your name or post, post some subliminal thing on Facebook about people challenging their authority or questioning their authority. They will plow you over. Why? Because they're weak, because they're worthless, and because they're wicked. And all they care about is power. All they care about is people bowing down to them. That's how false leaders are. But our Savior is not like that. Our Savior is humble. Our Savior is meek and lowly, yet powerful and loving. Christ is different. Christ is better than these leaders. Christ is not weak, Christ is not worthless. He is the pearl of great price. He's not wicked. He's perfect. He's not weak. He's strong. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Christ is a loving ruler. He doesn't plow over people. He doesn't crave power. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. All power in heaven and earth is in his hands. Christ doesn't bring ruin to anyone who worships him. But weak, worthless, and wicked leaders, they bring ruin to anyone and also ruin to themselves. And guess what? Those who are under them are unhappy. People that attend churches where the leaders are weak and wicked And worthless, they're miserable people. Why? Because everything is about law, law. Do, 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 do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. It's never the gospel of Christ being preached. It's all law and no gospel. It's all what you got to do, what you're not doing, what you can't do, what you shouldn't do. It's never about what Christ has done to set you free from that bondage. It's never about that. They ruin themselves. And they ruin those who follow them. So Jotham applies the parable. In verse 16 through 11. The city of Shechem will be repaid for choosing such a worthless man. Look at verse 16. It says, Now therefore, if you acted in truth and in sincerity, making Abimelech king, And if you had dealt well with Jeroboam and his house, and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. Wow. That's what Gideon did. And how did they repay him? By putting this wicked man up as king. So he continues. But you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons on one stone and made Abimelech the son of his maidservant. <laughs> Man. Wow. King over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. If you then have acted in truth and sincerity with Jerubbaal, Jeroboam rather, and with his house to this day, then rejoice at Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you but if not let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo and let fire come down from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech and Jotham ran away and fled and he went to Beer and dwelt there for the fear uh, of Abimelech his brother so he spoke his peace and then he got up out of there so, in other words, he told them, if you did right, good. But if you didn't, you messed up. So, he raised this for the sake of argument, if if you acted in truth and sincerity, because he know they didn't. He know they didn't. In verse 16, he, he, he knows that. He, he just raised this just for the sake of argument. He didn't believe that 68 of his brothers were murdered for the sake of truth and sincerity. He, he knew that. They weren't married for that. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, he did not believe that his brothers were murdered for the sake of sincerity. Exactly. But he says, because he is your brother. So the real reason that the men of Shechem supported Abimelech was because he was their brother. That's the only reason why. Abimelech's mother through Abimelech's mother was only a maid servant to Gideon but she was from Shechem. And Abimelech probably grew up in Shechem. That's why they call him his brother. Now Abimelech's mother is called a slave girl. That's what a maid servant is. A maid servant. Yeah, a maid servant. A maid servant was basically a term referring to a wife's servant was also a concubine just like uh, Hagar Hagar was a uh, maid servant to Sarah Abraham's wife yes because Sarah had given because Sarah couldn't have children she gave her maid servant Hagar to Abraham and that's how Ishmael was born so yes and people who were wealthy had servants The, the wives had servants they called them maidservant so basically a slave girl they treated them well and everything but but they were maidservants so that's that's what that meant so what does this young man say he says let fire come down from abimelech and devour the men of shechem so his warning was to the men of shechem that their unwise choice will come back to hurt them that was his warning to them. That their choice was going to backfire. And he predicted that fire would come forth from Abimelech and devour them. So, this was their warning. This is a very solemn warning. And this is the thing: as I said, God will give a, a people the leader they deserve but that can be an act of his judgment against them by giving them that wicked leader. Sometimes God gives wicked leaders as an act of judgment. Just like when the kingdom of Israel was split into two after Solomon's death, you had the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. The northern kingdom had all wicked kings all the way until the Assyrians took them uh, away in 722 B.C., Every single one of the kings of Israel was wicked. Every single one of them. Not one was good. Now Judah had some good ones and some bad ones, mostly good ones. But Israel had the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes had all wicked leaders. And that was God's judgment against them. So God in his judgment against his people will allow wicked leaders. If we are wicked leaders in our nation. That can be God's judgment against us. As a people. So what was going to happen? These people were going to be consumed with fire. And so now. We see where his warning is going to be fulfilled. In verses 22 to 25. After Abimelech. Had reigned over Israel three years. God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Now remember now, the men of Shechem wanted him to be what? King and rule over them. But what does God do? God did this. God sent in spirit of ill will. Between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. That the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubalim might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech their brother who killed them and on the men of Shechem who aided him in killing of his brothers and the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains and they robbed all who passed by them along the way and it was told to to Abimelech so let's look at that section so everything seemed to be fine between the men of Shechem and Abimelech for three years, everything seemed to be okay. But now, in judgment, what does God do? He removed the peace that was between them and sent a spirit of ill will. To the spirit of ill will. And remember, Abimelech was more like a tyrant than a king. And all tyrants. Tyrants never like retire in peace. <laughs> they never retire in peace. Tyrants and dictators never retire. Someone is always after them. It's not a it's not a peaceful existence. Even though they may kill all the enemies around around them, guess what? They still don't live a peaceful existence. And we see the Within Bimlak, yeah, he had peace for about three years, but that was it. It was a short-lived rule, and his kingdom wasn't big. His kingdom was very small. Verse forty-one talks about what's under his jur- jurisdiction. He brought that uh, Aruma and Zebul and Shechem. And Beth Milo, that's That was the extent of his kingdom. It was very small. So, what God did was he gave the devil commission to enter into the work upon their minds and their hearts to cause ill will. God can do that, and God will do that. He gives the devil commission to enter into and work upon the hearts and minds of evil people. And this is what happened. So what did they do? They set men in ambush, and they robbed all who passed by. And this was because of the ill will. So the men of Shechem set ambushes on the mountains, hoping to disrupt the trade routes, rather, that Abimelech profited from. to kind of mess up everything. Reducing the number of travelers and caravans that came through. They attacked them. It would be like someone going out there blocking the interstates and stuff like that from uh, keeping people from traveling. Exactly. Kind of like that. And so what did the men of Shechem do? They chose a new leader. Verse 26. Now Gaul, the son of Ebed came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards And they trod them and made merry. So they made wine. And they went to the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gaul, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech? And who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubel? Is he not, is not uh, Zebo his officer? Serve the men of Hamar, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. So the men of Shechem, they lost their confidence in Abimelech, so they chose a new leader named Gaal the son of Ebed. This is the fickleness and phoniness of human nature. You could be hot today you could be the thing today and not the thing tomorrow you could be beloved by people one day and hated by those same people the next day that's the phoniness and fickleness of man a fallen man people can like you one day and dislike you the next day people can want you to rule over them one day think about all of our presidents that have have uh you know been been in power We've only had we've had very few presidents to serve two terms. The last one was Barack Obama. Before him, I think it was uh George W. Bush who had two terms. and I think before him it was Bill Clinton who had two terms. And before Bill Clinton it was Ronald Reagan who had two terms. George H. W. Bush after after uh Reagan didn't, he only had one term. Donald Trump had one term, he's running for re again. Joe Biden's running for re-election. Re- but the thing is, it's harder to win the second time around because you're less popular than you were. Exactly. Exactly. Why? Because people's hearts and affections change because people change. People are fickle. People can, you could can be, be the best thing since sliced bread one minute as a leader, and then the next thing you know, in the same breath, do you know they did that to Christ? The same people, when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When he came on a donkey. They laid down the palm trees before him. And they yelled, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And a few days later, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. This is what happened to our Christ. The same people that said Hosanna. Blessings he who comes in the name of the Lord. Are the same people who a few days later. Yeah crucify him. Why? Because that is the fickleness of the human heart. That's why we can't put our trust. And of course we trust people just naturally. Because we have to but we cannot put our trust and confidence in the praises of man because the minute you say something that someone disagrees with oh they don't want to have anything to do with you anymore yes 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 yep people will do that they they they're fake they're fickle they're phony It is so dangerous to work to please man. It is. Because man is so fake. Man is fickle. You cannot put your total confidence. We have to put confidence in people. Because we have to work with people. And have relationships with people. And all those different things. But we can't put our ultimate trust in man. Because. We will never be able to please man. All the way. And we see this. These men went. These men of Shechem went from. uh, Let Abimelech rule over us. To to Gaal, that's how he pronounced his name. So the men of Shechem they went into the house of their god and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. That is so funny. The men of Shechem were so confident that their new leader Gaal could protect them against Abimelech that they started throwing drunken parties, basically, and they openly cursed Abimelech basically challenging him to a fight saying increase your army and come out in other words get all your boys together and come on out here and get some of this smoke that's how it would be said in our vernacular (laughs) now when Zebu the ruler of the city heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed his anger was aroused and he sent messages to him secretly saying take note like amen Guess what? Gaal the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem. And here they are, fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie and wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning, that you shall drive, that you shall rather rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. So Zebu was basically like the city manager on behalf of Abimelech. Because he ruled in the city. And he told Abimelech all the plans that Gaul uh, and his rebellion uh, had in store. So he advised Abimelech to come and destroy the city and attack it rather. So he told him to do a surprise attack by doing what rising early. Remember now, they didn't have lights and street lights and all that back then. So when the army assembled in, in the, you know, dawn, you know, pre-dawn hours, you wouldn't be able to see them that much unless they had the little torches or whatever with them. But you could easily do a sneak attack back then because they didn't have lights everywhere where you could see them. So man, what happens? Abimelech defeats this rebellion. So look at verse 34. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. When Gaal the son of Ebed went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebal, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebu said to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men? So Gaal spoke again and said, See, people are coming down from the center of the land and another company is coming down from Diviners' Terebith tree. And Zabel said to him, where deed is your mouth now? <laughs> With which you said, who is a Biblick that we should serve him? Like, what you got to say now? <laughs> it's funny. Man, God writes the best stories are not these people whom you despise go out if you will and fight them now in other words you're talking all that you're talking all that stuff like you didn't like them guess what let's get out there and fight them now you told Abimelech to get all your you know get all your men together and, and you know But well, guess what now he's called your bluff mm-hmm. so Gaal went out leading the men of Shechem and fought with the Abimelech and Abimelech chased him and fled down and fled from him rather and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt at Arumah, and Zabu drove out Gaal and his brother so they would not dwell in Shechem. This is something. So, Zabu, he basically had deceived Gaal by allowing Abimelech's troops to take position when he said, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men, because those were men coming down the mountains. But uh, Gaal told him that. I'm sorry, Zabu told Gael that uh, those are not men. Those are shadows of the mountain. Remember, they they couldn't see that good. Exactly. Yep. So Abimelech and his soldiers drove out Gael and the the men. That is so funny. So Gael was was, was, uh, proud. He was arrogant against Abimelech. And Gael probably wasn't prepared for the siege. So he had to leave the city. He wrote a he wrote a, uh, a check that he couldn't cash. Yep, sold him wolf tickets. There we go. And it's not over. So you see how bad all this is getting? And this, is, this shows what happens when you forget God. But it continues. Verse 42. And it came about on the next day that the people went into the land. I'm to the field, and they told him Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were people coming out of the city, and he rose against them and attacked them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city. And the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day so he took the city and killed the people who were in it and he demolished the city and sold it with salt wow so now that Gaal was defeated Abimelech wanted to establish his rule over Shechem again because remember Shechem had rose up against him remember they chose Gaal instead of Abimelech so now Abimelech is going to get them back so he established his control over uh, Shechem again so they attacked and killed the people of Shechem. Both inside and outside the city. So the people went out to the fields. Engaging their daily occupations. Thinking that nothing was going to happen. Because It says back in that 42nd verse. And it came to pass the next day. The people went out into the field. Okay so they just went out and did their, their work. They didn't think that anything was going to happen. So he killed the people who were in it. And he demolished the city and sold it with salt. So he turned his fury against the people of Shechem. So again, Abimelech was a murderous ruler. He was an evil ruler. He was a weak ruler. He was wicked. Yes, very wicked. He killed as many of them as he could, he demolished their city. And Shechem was destroyed such to the point that it wasn't rebuilt until the reign of Jeroboam uh, the first, which was in 1 Kings the 12th uh, chapter. That was almost 200 years later. It says here in 1 Kings 12 and 25, then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. This is almost 200 years later. So he did some work in destroying Shechem. Now, this also shows, as I said earlier about uh, dictators and tyrants, this shows the problem of following a man who comes to power through violence. Because it's only a matter of time that the same violence is going to be turned against those who helped him come to power. That is how it works with dictators and tyrants. Whatever they use to come to power, they're going to use it against the people that they rule over. He used violence to come to power, and guess what? He was going to use violence against those very people who helped him come to power. That's the way wicked, wicked rulers are. When Stalin came to power, he did it through murder. And he ended up murdering the people around him who helped him come to power. Hitler did the same thing. Mussolini did the same thing. Chairman Mao in China did the same thing. Pol Pot did the same thing. Idi Amin did the same thing. All these infamous dictators, they killed the people who helped them come to power. But Jesus is the greater ruler. Jesus doesn't have to do that Jesus is not power hungry all power was already his power belongs to God it has already it always belonged to God God is not some tyrant or some ruthless ruler he is the sovereign lord of heaven and earth He is the good, good father who cares for his children, who sees after his children. He is a loving God. He is a loving father. This rule is nothing like it. Nothing like him. So verse 46 says, Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bareth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up from Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe (coughs) in his hand and cut down a bough from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, Make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bow and follow Abimelech and put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women, man. Now although Abimelech was an ungodly and valid man, he didn't understand He did understand some basic principles of leadership. He did understand the importance of leading by example. Because he says to his troops, do as I have done. So that was a good thing. So all the people of the tower of Shechem died. Man, that's crazy. So Abimelech massacred the last survivors of the city of Shechem. Because these people had fled up into the tower to escape. and guess what this fulfilled the warning of Jotham earlier in this chapter in verses 19 and 20 remember what Jotham said verses 19 and 20 if then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jeroboam and with his house this day then rejoice in Abimelech and let him uh, rejoice in you but if not let fire come down from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and guess what happened it came down and it devoured them because they did not act in truth and sincerity with Abimelech so they got what was coming to them they got the leader they deserved they looked upon him to save them and, they, and he ended up killing them so for the people of Shechem even a secure tower could not protect them but I tell you this there's a more secure tower than the tower of Shechem Proverbs 18 and 10 says this the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and are safe think about that God is a strong tower his name is a strong tower this tower of Shechem Could not save those people. But the Lord is a strong tower. Psalm 61 and 3 says. You have been a shelter for me. A strong tower from the enemy. Christ is that tower. That we can run to. And he saves us. And helps us. Every time. So now we get down to the end of this chapter. Do you think Abimelech is going to get away with all this evil? No. God always avenges the wicked. Always. The wicked have their day coming. Look at what happens here. Verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women, and all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped a millstone upon Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, A woman killed him. (laughs) So a young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. So Abimelech thought that he was an expert at attacking towers, but not this time. A woman dropped a millstone. And it probably weighed five pounds or more. But it hit him in the head and knocked him out. So he told his... his. Uh, his uh, armor bearer to finish him off basically but he has to answer to God for his wicked actions so at the end here it says then God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech which he had done to his father by killing 70, his 70 brothers and all the evil of the men of Shechem. God returned on their own heads. And on them. Came the curse of Jotham. The son of Jerubel. We can be certain. That God will repay wickedness. Either in this life. Or the life to come. Always remember that. Often God finds a way to do it. In this life and in the life to come. God will avenge wickedness. Don't think that the wicked will get away. Psalm 37 is about that. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Because they will soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the herb. God does take care of wicked. Now God had warned the men of Shechem through Jotham. But they rejected the warning of God and they came to ruin says at the end and then came on them the curse of Jotham the son of Jerubel (coughs) and I want to leave with this thought we should each consider if God is warning us about something in the present time because the story of Abimelech and of Shechem and Jotham shows us that there is real and terrible price to pay for rejecting God's warnings in scripture those who don't turn to God and be saved there's real there's a real terrible price to pay for not receiving Christ for rejecting the God who came to save you there's a real and terrible price to pay and you're going to pay it for eternity if you don't come to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior if you don't repent turn from your sinful ways and lay yourselves on the mercy of God. Something worse can happen to you. You're going to be eternally punished. Where there's going to be conscious torment. Forever and ever and ever. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there will be sorrow. And crying. And weeping. There will be no joy in hell. And hell is not going to be one big party. Like the world tries to say it is. No it's not. It's going to be a place of sorrow. A place of weeping. A place of lament. A place of unbearable pain. Think about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where you're just going to be. There's so much pain. You're going to gnash your teeth in anger. Against the God that you rejected. Don't ignore the warnings of God. Or a worst thing can happen to us. Let Abimelech's life in the life of these men of Shechem be an example to us. May the Lord bless our study tonight. Amen.